New documents reveal a list of commonly used words online that the FBI has labeled extremism. This after a FOIA request, it's a Freedom of Information request from the Heritage Foundation. The phrase red pill, made famous by the Matrix, is a belief that society is corrupt and people are victims of that corruption. The word based, just based, according to the FBI, refers to someone, quote, who has been converted to racist ideology. And then there's this one, LARPing. It originally refers to groups doing live auction, uh, live action role playing. Now it's a way to, quote, deride individuals accused of not being as extreme. These are the words that the FBI has. Base just means being yourself, okay? That's what base means. That's it. Red pill is basically um, the society structure <clears throat> that has been built <clears throat> is really a lie, okay? And their sinister intentions for why it was built, okay? Like, let's say, for example, women joining the workforce so they could tax the rest of the population, okay? All right? Or the fact of uh, with feminism, okay? Which was really uh, not about, you know, it was basically, it's the sister of white supremacy, okay? Don't believe me? Look into the history, all right? Look into the history of it, okay? The D's... Uh, did, did the people in charge who created feminism, okay, it was, you know, for white women, what cared about black women being equal to black men and to have a better um, quality of life and to abolish slavery? No. Okay. That was the sinister intention of it. Look at, look at Gloria Steinem, okay? But as for the, you know, as for the red pill, you know, it's, that's basically what it is, all right? Just looking at the sinister way of the construct of us world, okay, and how it was built. Unfortunately, the red pill is really toxic right now, but uh, that's the manosphere's fault, okay? Because it's become a, uh, it's become feminism with testicles. That's what it's become. Even then, you know, the FBI has no right to be trying to put their foot on their necks for people using simple terms. Even the Republican Party uses this term. All right. Let's keep going. As indicated, are in the extremist category. Monica. Well, I just tweeted the word based last night, Maria, when I was tweeting at the UFC uh, response to President Trump and Kid Rock and Mike Tyson all attending that huge event in Miami over the weekend. So I guess now I'm considered an extremist uh, by the FBI. Um, look, this is all part and parcel of what we have seen over the last several years of weaponizing government to attack the First Amendment. We just saw over the last couple of weeks the case of Douglas Mackey, who was 
was convicted in a court of law for an anti-Hillary meme in the 2016 campaign. We also saw journalist Matt Taibbi, who's a classic liberal. He's not a conservative, and he had the IRS show up to his door on the very day that he was testifying to Congress about the Twitter files. So all of these actions not only are a violation of the First Amendment, totally unconstitutional, Maria, but they're also messaging events. They are shots across the bow to regular Americans who may dissent from what the Biden administration and big tech and, and all of these progressives are doing to the country. It's a shot across the bow to all of us that, hey, you may not want to stick your head up too far above the, the uh, level here because we are going to come for you and it is not going to be pleasant because we're going to come for you with the entire force of the U.S. government. Wow. That is terrifying, unconstitutional and illegal, but they're doing it anyway. This is very disturbing, Mike. Yeah, Maria, um, the, the using of this language to label people extremists is nothing more than cover to allow them to surveil and harass people who are guilty of political wrongthink. They, this That's is right. the FBI has become a political hit force for the left to go after their enemies. And so what you are seeing when these things come out are no different than going after uh, concerned parents showing up at a school board meeting. Right. And, you know, telling them that they are domestic terrorists. What they'll do is they'll use someone like the Southern Poverty Law Center to come in and say, label somebody with some, you know, normal conservative thought advocating for a smaller government or exposing corruption. Well, now this person is an extremist. Uh, we need to get ahead of them in case they commit some sort of violence so we can surveil them and then maybe jam them up on, you know, some sort of process crime. Um, you know, yeah. you, you saw that with the special counsel. Um, it, it's, it's kind of the M.O. And then you're now seeing it uh, reach the point of ridiculousness, as Monica just mentioned, in the case of Douglas Mackey. Um, who only who was making memes online and the Southern District of New York that prosecuted him could not point to a single person that um, <laughs> that, that 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 took that seriously or was a victim yeah. and and still this guy's looking at some serious jail time unless they went on appeal and even if they went on appeal uh, the process is still the punishment going through yeah. this for years of his life. It's just a, it's these are designed to harass people and intimidate those that do yeah. not agree with them and do not get in line. That's Unfortunately, that's our country is slowly but surely um, going in the way of being a neo-Nazi socialist society. That is basically what is happening here. It really is. And it really was said that uh, Klaus Schwab is going to be putting tighter restrictions on the Internet, saying that we will stomp out the hate. Basically, they're going to find what they're going to make it even harder to put out uh, information. OK, out there that is credible to warn you about what's going on. And they're going to cramp, clamp down on freedom of speech even harder things we talk about, the things that we talk about that we don't agree with, the way they are trying to destroy the family unit. Yeah. It's basically going to be Nazi Germany all over again. Yep, bad documents associate internet slang like base and red pill with extremism. New documents released Monday warned that the common internet lingo is being associated with violent extremism by the FBI. 
Heritage Foundation Oversight Project said it used a Freedom Information Act request to expose FBI documents that includes glossaries showing that common internet slang has been flagged as an indication of involuntary celibate violent history. They're comparing us to in they're comparing the red pill to incels now. I knew that was coming. I knew that was coming. All right. A lot of these guys here are just, you know, making really idiotic comments about single mothers. Uh No, these in they come they already lump us all lump not me i'm not part of the red pill they lump you know the manosphere with other violent extremist groups male dominated groups like incels all right that feel if they don't get a date they have a right to go and commit a mass shooting like elliot rogers stuff like that or racially or ethnically motivated violent extremism Part of the document refers specifically to incels or these involuntary celibate whom they, whom the threat overview describes as possibly seeking to commit violence in support of their beliefs that society unjustly denies them sexual or romantic attention to which they believe they are entitled to. Incels, and that's it, all right. The assessment notes, while most incels do not engage in violence, some have been involved in at least five lethal attacks in the United States and Canada. Many of the terms mentioned in FBI's list of incel terminology are either widely or used across the internet or innocuous in nature. The one term in the glossary is red pill, which comes from the 1999 film The Matrix and has been used as a metaphor for seeing hidden or politically incorrect truths about modern world, particularly when it comes to politics or dating. The FBI is list of key terms defines it as a belief shared by online communities that society is corrupt and that the believer is a victim of this corruption. Many of the terms listed are focused on self-improvement or struggle to reckon with the marketplace of modern dating. The glossary defines the term Chad as a race specific term used to describe idealized version of a male who is very successful at getting sec at sexual and romantic attention from women. Later noting, incels unsuccessfully compete against Chads for attention. Like I said, man, like I said, this, this is what happens when you have a bunch of men who scoff at self-improvement, men who wanna complain about, you know, it's too hard out there to get women and the make alternatives like getting sex dolls and stuff like that, real nonsense like that. That's it. The list also includes the term looks maxing, which is defined in the document as the process of self-improvement with the in, with the intent to become more attractive. Looks maxing. I think they made that up. There are many terms associated with self-pity rather than violence, such as saying it's over to convey the hopelessness of being an incel or referring to height cell or bald cell, this is stupid, to define people with short stature or baldness respectively. The FBI list for terms associated with racially or ethnically motivated violent extremism, MVE, has a mix of extreme terms and innocuous ones. I think sometimes they're making this up. That's what I think. I really do. The red pill appears in the list but with a different description. In the context, our RMVE ideology taking 
the red pill or becoming red pilled indicates the adoption of racist, anti-Semitic, or fascist beliefs. Base in the defined base is defined by FBI as a word to refer to someone who has been converted to racist ideology. That's this is all a lie right here, as a way of indicating ideological agreement. In regular parlance, based is a context-specific word coined by rapper Lil B and can mean a know your memes describes anything ranging from something that is agreeable and cool to something that's considered anti-woke. The list is also includes the term LARPing, which was originally used to describe people engaged in live action role play, often as characters in high fantasy settings. You mean cosplaying? In a political context, a term can be used for people with an impractical or improbable political vision, such as imagining a monarchist future for the United States. The FBI glossary says the term is used to deride individuals accused of not being as extreme or in possession of skills or other value characteristics to claim to have. I think the FBI is making up some of this stuff as they go along. Okay. But like I said, some of the antics that have happened, you know, there was a shooting a couple uh, last year of um, with a man uh, who was on these uh, red pill spaces. And that's the problem with these red pill manosphere spaces. It's not really regulated. It's not really like, okay, there's a hierarchy and the, there's certain rules and, and regulations that have to be followed. So you don't have the, you know, you wouldn't have the FBI or governments breathing down your neck in case somebody acts the fool within your ranks. <clears throat> okay. All right. Let's look into this next story of uh, Canada helping more Ukrainians being lambs to the slaughter. Let's look into that now. Early days of the war, Canada has pledged support for Ukraine, announcing sanctions, pledging military aid as well. A continuation of Operation Unifier that began back in 2015, that's part of a training mission and part of Canada's efforts to assist Ukrainian soldiers, preparing them for the modern battlefield techniques and doing so right now in the United Kingdom. That's where our senior correspondent Susan Ormiston is this morning. She's at a British military training facility in Kent, England. She's been watching exercises, which I'm hearing, I don't know, vaguely in the background might be going on right now. Susan, what's happening? Indeed, this is what's called urban warfare, and this is the next generation of Ukrainian soldiers being trained here in southern England by the Brits, Canadians, and the Ukrainians. You can see them. They're going house to house, practicing. Imagine Bucha or Irpin or Mariupol. This is the type of very complex situations they're going to be finding themselves in. This is a very short training exercise, a series of five weeks. What struck me about these recruits is many of them just joined the military. We're going into the second year, the second generation, as I mentioned. One I spoke to today, a 26-year-old graphic designer from, from southern Ukraine just picked up a rifle for the
the first time a few weeks ago, and he's trying to learn basic infantry infantry skills here. The Canadians are also doing some uh, range training at another area, and there are various training facilities like this in England, in Poland, and in Germany, as they try to make these soldiers as lethal as possible in as short amount of time. Five weeks, not very long, Heather. I mean, this is a five weeks. <clears throat> okay, that's a month and five days okay with other countries is probably four months or six months all right probably no six months six months or more okay to get them ready to be able to be able to be conditioned the mind and the body to do what they have to do in war. All right. They know the Canadian, the Canadian and United Kingdom military. They know these people are going to die. Yeah. They look at them. I mean, they see the hope in their eyes. They feel that they could take on the world. They could defend their homeland. And you know, better experienced military personnel that four weeks, a month and five days is not enough time to condition somebody for war. You know that. And you just smiling back at them while you know they're gonna die. Not like some people are gonna make it. You know most of them aren't gonna make it. You know this, they're just meat shields and you're encouraging it. That's sick. Extraordinary to witness this going on right behind you, Susan, as we see exactly the role that Canadian soldiers are playing in training. Anytime you want to break away and show me more what's happening, certainly do so. Uh, but listen, as that's going on, okay. you can see that, you can see that this, I mean, this is the type of thing that they are going to face in short order when they go back to Ukraine. And I spoke to them this morning about how they feel about this one-year somber anniversary. There was a sunrise service with a Canadian chaplain and a, a British padre uh, marking this, praying for peace. And of course, they told me that they're, you know, motivated to defend their country, but they're also worried about their family back home in Ukraine today, and some of them outside in Poland, refugees all around Europe and in Canada as well. And, you know, this young man I spoke to said that his friend was captured in the spring, and he felt he had to now wrap up his graphic design business and come and do this. So it's a very intense, urgent experience here. And as you say, part of Operation Unifier, which has been going on for years, but really ramped up in 2022 with this kind of ongoing rotation of soldiers here in England and elsewhere, Heather. We stop and listen to uh, one of the Canadians to whom you spoke about that, the Canadian pride of the Canadian role in all of this. We do have some tape, Susan. Let's listen to that together and then I'll come back to you. Thanks. It's an honor to see the way that they have taken on the training that these Canadian soldiers have offered them and to see from day one of their training till, till now uh, um, the way that they have um, really worked hard to understand and pick up some of the skills that they didn't have before coming here and to return back better able to support and defend their homeland. That is a privilege and an honor.
So strong comments from the Canadians having a role in the scene that we are looking at behind you, Susan, as they send them back. That short five week, that intense training before they return uh, to take up their military roles in Ukraine. Anything before I let you go live, just before uh, another check in at what's going on, Susan? Uh yeah, I just think, you know, worthwhile to remember there are 170 Canadians here doing this type of work. Uh, language is a, is a challenge because it's mostly Ukrainian-speaking uh, soldiers and, of course, English. The translation is difficult. But what I heard a lot of was that these Ukrainian soldiers, these recruits who have just joined the military, are extremely motivated to defend their country and to end this war, hopefully, as Zelensky said, within the next year. Zelensky doesn't know a damn thing. Zelensky doesn't care, all right? He doesn't care. All right, let's get into, all right. Let's talk about what Vladimir Putin's doing right now. All right, one second. Okay. It's gonna, you know, I'm, uh, I must say though, he is doing right. I'll tell you that much. He tells the truth about Africa, and he's doing right by Africa. Can't, you can't. Can't knock that at all. Sides in strengthening the relationship between the two regions. At the Russia Africa in the Multipolar World Conference, Putin reiterated Russia's commitment to prioritizing cooperation with African nations. The cancellation of African debts is just one example of the bold steps Russia has taken to build a more productive and mutually beneficial relationship with the continent over the years. Welcome. This is Rain Smith. And you are watching the new Africa channel. Putin has canceled more than $20 billion in debt owed by African countries. This debt had accumulated during the Soviet era. In the past, Russia had attempted to collect these debts, which were mainly a result of Moscow's previous alliances with African countries that supported its communist ideology. During this time, Russia provided military equipment and technical assistance to countries such as Angola, Algeria, the Democratic Republic of Congo, Ethiopia, Namibia, Mozambique, Morocco, and South Africa, among others. As a result, many African nations found themselves heavily indebted to Russia, with official documents estimating the total amount at $20 billion. During the conference, Putin also revealed that the trade relationship between Russia and African nations is thriving, with the trade volume reaching a staggering $18 billion in 2022 and growing each year. In addition, Putin expressed his belief that a more robust transition to national currencies and financial settlements, and the creation of new transport and logistics networks, will help facilitate the development of reciprocal economic exchanges. By taking these measures, Russia and African nations will likely be able to build stronger, more self-sufficient economies, paving the way for a more prosperous future. 
Additional opportunities are opened up by the process of establishing the African Continental Free Trade Area, which began in 2021, which will become a conventional market with a total GDP of more than $3 trillion, he added. During the conference, Putin expressed Russia's support for establishing connections with the African Continental Free Trade Area, both through the Eurasian Economic Union and bilaterally. He also noted that Africa is poised to become a leading player in the multipolar world. He said, the states of Africa are constantly increasing their weight and their role in world affairs. They are asserting themselves more and more confidently in politics and in the economy. We are convinced that Africa will become one of the leaders in the emerging new multipolar world order. Despite being an international outcast with an arrest warrant looming over him, Putin remained steadfast in his pursuit of stronger ties with Africa. His unwavering commitment to the continent is rooted in his belief that Africa's economy has immense untapped potential, and he is determined to take the necessary measures to promote a bright and prosperous future for both Russia and Africa. What do you think about Russia canceling African debts? Let us know in the comments. Well, <clears throat> him doing that, it shows he understands, you know, he's not like the other Western nations, okay, that say that they must keep. I remember watching this on Facebook, a college professor, white man, he said, we must keep Africa under our feet in order for the rest of Western civilization to survive. That's what he said. He's college professor, a white man, is okay with oppressing, you know, black people taking their resources making them poor while they get rich hmm? instead of looking to, into their own country for resources okay and then you want to talk about pulling yourself up by your bootstraps no you guys are going over and robbing stealing kale, uh, stealing killing graping to get what you want so People can't take you seriously. And this is why we have bricks on the horizon. Yep. Let's get into this article here. Okay. Go. All right. <clears throat> African countries' debts totaling more than 20 billion were written off in the past year. Russian President Vladimir Putin said on March 20th, Putin also revealed that trade between Russia and Africa had nearly reached 18 billion by the end of the year. According to the Russian leader, the majority of the world is opposed to the West neo colonial ideology. According to Russian President Vladimir Putin in 2022, Moscow wrote off debts of African countries that totaled over 20 billion. During the same year, trade between the two sides nearly topped 18 billion. Speaking at a recent international conference, Putin, whose country has been hit by Western sanctions, also talked about the possibility of increasing the value of trade between the two nation, two regions. It is unlikely that such a figure can fully suit us, but we know that this is far from the limit, Putin reportedly said. Besides bolstering directly trade, direct 
trade between his country and the African continent, the Russian leader also spoke about his envisioned global financial system that is not dominated by the U.S. dollar. After Russia invaded Ukraine, Western countries responded by imposing sanctions on Moscow and cutting off the country from the global financial system. To counter the West's move, Russia has not only advocated for an alternative to the dollar-dominated financial system, but has signed bilateral agreements with countries like China and India. Under the terms of some of the agreements, national currencies are used to settle trades. Meanwhile, in his message to African countries, Putin also talked about the development of what he called counter-commodity exchanges. The Russian leader claimed that a more energetic transition in financial sediments to national currencies, as well as the establishment of a new transport and logistic systems, logistic systems may facilitate the development of the envisioned commodity exchanges. Concerning what he termed the Western countries' neocolonial ideology, Putin claimed that the majority of the world still upholds moral norms and, so and social principles traditional for our peoples, as opposed to ideals that impose that imposed from the outside world. I don't know about um, the majority of the world upholds moral norms because you got a lot of evil that other countries are doing. All right. I don't know about that, but hey, I'm for Putin what he's doing. All right. A lot of people don't like that, but hey. They don't, they don't understand how we got to that point. That's what they don't understand, all right? They don't understand how we have gotten to this point. And you're looking at Russia as the bad guy when the reality is for years and decades, our government has been the bad guy. Our government has been putting puppet leaders in other countries for their own interests, assassinating people, all right? Making countries poor and having them taken over by other people that have enslaved others, especially black people. Now, one second right here. Okay, I got a, uh, all right, here we go. One second. So now we gotta talk about something here when it comes to food. Okay, yep. There we go. This morning with grocery prices, especially eggs, putting a bigger dent in Americans' wallets, analysts have high hopes for the new government report on inflation due out today. It's expected to show consumer prices last month rose 6.5% compared to a year ago. That's encouraging when compared to the 7.1% increase in November, but not nearly enough relief for most shoppers. It's just too much. It's too much. I don't want to buy any. I can't afford it. Overall, food prices rose about 12% in the last year, but eggs have been a whole different story, with prices more than doubling, even tripling in some areas. Shoppers at one store in New York reporting a carton of eggs now costs more than $11. Restaurants say they can't keep up. We used to get a case for about $27, and now we're getting them for about $150. It's not just inflation. The worst bird flu outbreak in years has taken a toll on the industry, coupled with high demand during the recent holiday baking season, leading to shortages in some areas. 
The Agriculture Department says bird flu has reduced the egg-laying hen population by more than 40 million. If the egg price still so high, we will have to increase the price again. Last week I did a lot of custards and stuff like that, so I didn't do any muffins because you have to find that, that toss-up between what are we going to be able to offer. The good news is some experts believe egg prices may have peaked, but they're expected to remain high through spring. As for the inflation report due out today, if the news isn't good, expect the Federal Reserve to raise interest rates yet again. Yep, that's what we're dealing with right now. Food prices going up. Wonder what people are going to do. I just wonder what they're going to do. I know what they're going to do. It's not going to be nice. It's definitely not going to be nice. And it's going to get ugly out here in these streets. It really is. Talking about real life. People just want to keep, you know, stick their heads in the sand. Say you're fear mongering. No, telling the truth. Largest U.S. egg producer posts 700, 718% profit hike, igniting call to break up the big AG. Okay. U.S. Senator Bernie Sanders, oh boy, renewed, to call, renewed his call to break up the architectural agricultural monopolies after the nation's largest egg producer reported that it quarterly profits soared more than 700%. Calmine Foods, which controls about 20% of the U.S. egg market, announced last week that its revenue for the quarter ending February 25th rose 109% to $997.5 million, while profit for the same period skyrocketed 718% to 323.2 million. In a statement, Calmine President and CEO Sherman Miller attributed the company's soaring profits to the ongoing epidemic of a highly pathogenic avian influenza, which has significantly reduced the nation's egg laying capacity. According to the U.S. Department of Agriculture, U.S. egg inventories were 29% lower in the final week of December 2022 than at the beginning of the year, while more than 43 million egg laying hens were lost to the disease itself or to depopulation since the outbreak began in February 2022. Sanders, who took on agriculture monopolies while campaigning for president in 2016 and 2020, questioned Kamai's narrative in a tweet arguing that we must break up the big AG and enact a windfall profits tax. You know, can't trust these Democrats as well as you can't trust the Republicans. Sanders wasn't the only congressional critic of Kamai's latest profits. While working families paid at record prices for eggs, Calmine racked over 700% more in profits without reporting a single case of avian flu. Senator Elizabeth Warren, Democrat of Massachusetts, tweeted on Thursday, we need to crack down on corporate price gouging to provide Americans with relief at the grocery store. All right. Representative Katie Porter, Democrat of California, who is running for U.S. Senate, wrote on Twitter on March 30th that corporate greed is driving is driving inflation. Well, what do you think is going to happen? Okay, when there's not much to go around, what do you think they're going to jack up the price? We need more competition to drive down prices, she added. 
In the meantime, I'm demanding answers from the cow mine directly. In February, Warren and Porter wrote letters to the heads of the five biggest egg U.S. egg producers expressing their concern over the massive spike in prices and the extent to which egg producers may be using fears about avian food and supply shocks as a cover to pad their own profits at the expense of American families. The advocacy group Farm Action earlier Earlier this year, implored the Federal Trade Commission to investigate apparent price gouging, price coordination, and other unfair or deceptive acts or practices by dominant producers of eggs, such as Calamine Foods. Hope people are stocking up on food. We're in trouble. We are in trouble. And this is all according to what's supposed to happen. Okay. So all according to the plan. One second. Okay, here's the next one. Portsmouth tonight, a sexual misconduct investigation involving children as young as the second grade. Administrators say it involves students at Hodges Manor Elementary. And investigative reporter Julie Millay is live in the newsroom with some pretty disturbing details. Julie. Yeah, Tom, disturbing is right. What we know right now is that three students are facing disciplinary action after what the school is calling, quote, inappropriate sexual behavior that happened inside a classroom. Ten on your side learned today that a similar incident was investigated back in February. This letter was sent home to parents last week. It reads, as you are aware, an incident of a sexual nature occurred in class on Tuesday, March 28, 2023. This activity was inappropriate and should not have happened. A parent tells Ten on your side that her son was directly involved in the incident, that he was approached by a female classmate about engaging in oral sex. The school, however, would not confirm those exact details. 10 on your side did learn today that a similar incident happened in February. That's when a parent says she reported to the school that her son was also approached by a girl who said she wanted to give him oral sex. The parent tells us that when she asked about it, the school did not address the issue beyond separating the two students or provide additional details. A school spokesperson, however, tells us appropriate action was taken in that February incident and that the school reported the most recent incident to police Child Protective Services, and the Division's Department of Human Resources. The letter ends by saying the incident is being handled by the Human Resources Department and saying, quote, have a fantastic weekend. The school confirms that a counselor is being made available to students. We spoke today with a child psychologist who tells us how a counselor might be able to help students, even ones who were not directly involved with what happened. It's still going to impact them, and they might have questions, they might have emotions around it. And then even the kiddos who were directly impacted, they might not show a response right now, but maybe a month down the road, something triggers an emotional response for them. The school has confirmed to us that the instructional assistant who was in charge of the classroom at the time is currently on administrative leave. Attempts to reach that person today were And that is who the person is that's responsible for all of this going on because no second grader has that knowledge. They're too busy about watching Blue's Clues. You know, they're, they're too busy, you know, wanting to play with their toys. They don't want to know anything about that. So it had to be an adult that was grooming them for that. 
all right? And they always ask, well, what does the alphabet community, what is their effect on your life? If you're a parent, they have a, a extreme impact on your life. They are a threat. Did you hear me? They are a threat. You see with all these news reports going on about this happening. They are a threat. Having drag queen story time and having uh, classes where they teach their kids about anal sex and all types of nonsense that they have no business learning at a young age. Tell you, man. And speaking of kids, let's talk about this guy right here has just been outed, a well-respected guy who's just been outed for being a total pervert. There we go. He's apologized after a video surfaced in which he appears to show uh, show him attempting to kiss a young boy on the lips and then asking the boy to suck his tongue. That incident took place at a public event on February 28th. Now, in Tibetan culture, sticking out one's tongue is a sign of respect or agreement, but the video, which has been making the rounds on social media, has made a lot of people really uncomfortable. A statement posted on the Dalai Lama's Twitter account reads in part, his holiness wishes to apologize to the boy and his family as well as his many friends across the world for the hurt his words may have caused. It goes on to say that he was acting in an innocent and playful way. That, but the, like I said, this type of behavior will be accepted in the new world order. Okay. This is what's going on. This is what we got going on here. Okay. Respected man, he's been doing this for a while, all right? Just like the Catholic Church. Okay. It's going on for a while, man. This this is uh it's no going around it. Okay, so it's so on to the next story right now. Okay. Here we go. Let's talk about Trader Joe's. Shoppers get free food at Louisiana Trader Joe's after refrigeration allegedly went out. Okay. Shoppers who visited a Louisiana Trader Joe's were met with more than a little change saving. A viral TikTok video shared with the Shade Room shows employees giving away at least $2,800 worth of free food. Why? Busted refrigeration at the Baton Rouge store. In the clip, Tina Michelle asked an employee, Ali, to confirm the food giveaway and the 2,852 bill. So our refrigeration went out and we were giving away everything that is cold or frozen, an employee explained. Trader Joe's employee racked the free inventory by scanning items, but the climbing tag total was on the store, not the customers. One employee called out, we're helping everybody today. 
More footage Tina shared showed customers with stacked carts of eggs, frozen treats, seafood, and meats. Okay. Let's see this video right here. All right, so can y'all tell us what's going on today? So our refrigeration went out. I don't out. think people believe yeah. me. Yeah, I know. Our refrigeration went out, and so um, we're, we're giving away everything that is cold or frozen. So yes. this is not me and Kia's total. This is everybody that's checked out of their register so it far. It is. Helping everybody. Initial video has over 11 million views and was posted one day before Easter. It has hundreds of comments, essentially praise for the grocery store's decision to give away food rather than toss it. One person commented, <coughs> sorry, one person commented that it's uh, awesome because most stores would, would throw it out in the dumpster, sadly. Another continued to sing supporting Trader Joe's. Another added, very smart, they're scanning the items so they could get reimbursement from the company that deal with the refrigeration. Meanwhile, there were some comparisons to other stores. For example, another person alleged, same thing happened at Walmart, but they made us throw everything away. I was so mad. Uh-oh. <coughs> I don't know if you guys uh, paid attention to that last comment, okay? Same thing happened at Walmart, but they made us throw everything away. Alarm bells should be going off. The updated video has over 500,000 views on TikTok. As of Monday evening, Trader Joe's has not responded to the video on social media platforms or their website. <coughs> hmm. I don't know, man. People are thinking this is a blessing and they're going to eat all that food. And then they're gonna go back to that store, and that's that grocery store may be closed down. All right. I wonder if people are thinking. That's what I wonder. Are they thinking? Do most people, <clears throat> excuse me, do most people even watch the news? That's what I wonder. Okay. Do people really watch the news? Let's see what's going on. You can't be like, oh man, the news is negative. No, no, not 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 all the time, man. Okay. Not all the time. I, I don't I don't think so. Okay. Because uh th this is serious right here. This is extremely serious because we may be experiencing mass food deserts. That's something to think about. It really is. But unfortunately, a lot of people are not paying attention. Okay. They're really not. And it may be a little too, it's going to be a little bit too late for some people already because some people are already suffering from what's going on.
Okay. There we go. All right. Okay. Here we got this now. Lab-made chicken meat grown from cancer cells received FDA approval. Are you ready to eat tumor nuggets? <laughs> hey, this could be our future. People are going to have to be vegetarians. Af artificial chicken meat grown in stainless steel bioreactors bio is the next thing to hit the American market, thanks to the U.S. Food and Drug Administration. The corrupt federal regulatory agency has green-lighted not just one, but two different lab-grown chicken meat products for human consumption, one produced by Upside Foods and the other by Good Meat, both based out of California. Good Meat also has an office in Singapore. Last year, the FDA announced that the laboratory-derived chicken made by Upside Food is safe to eat, which means the company can soon start mass production it for mass-producing it for the consumer market. To manufacture its meats, Upside Food Harvest sells from live animals, chicken tissue, and uses the cells to grow meat in stainless steel tanks known as bioreactors. One report explains, the FDA proudly announced that it has no further questions about the safety of the Upside Food fake meat, which consumer Robert, Commissioner Robert M. Califf declared to be safe for human consumption. The world is experiencing a food revolution, Califf said. Advancements in cell culture technology are enabling food developers to use animal cells contained from livestock, poultry, and seafood in the production of food with these products, expected to be ready for U.S. market in the near future. Related, check out the earlier coverage from the last year about the abomination known as lab-grown meat and why you should avoid eating it at all costs. <laughs> oh, man. FDA Commissioner Robert M. Califf says agency's main purpose is to promote fake food. Califf went on to praise the fake meat industry for supporting the FDA's own mission, which apparently involves rubber stamping approval for anything and everything that is synthetic and probably unhealthy for people to eat. The FDA's goal is to support innovation in food technologies while always maintaining our as our first priority the safety of the foods available to U.S. consumers, Califf admitted. Upside Food founder and CEO Uma Valetti public, pub, publicly celebrated the FDA's decision, calling it a really good thing for the company's bottom line. Yeah, because you're probably not going to be eating it. That's the thing. They're going to force the mass population to eat it. But everybody in the higher ups, they're probably going to be eating regular food. That's what's going to happen. As for good meat, Reuters celebrated the FDA's decision to make it in the second cultivated meat product available on the market. Good Meats Chicken is the second cultivated meat product to receive a no questions letter from the FDA. No questions letter. After California Upside Foods got the regular green light for its cultivated chicken breast last November, the fake news media outlet reported. The letter means the FDA accepts the company's conclusion that its product is safe for humans to eat. Just like it did with Upside Foods, the FDA indicated that it has no questions at this time. Good Market Meats conclusion that the foods comprise of or containing cultured chicken cell material as safe as comparable foods produced by other methods. Mm -hmm. 
Keep in mind that the FDA still will not allow you to buy and sell natural raw milk or butter products. Those healthy foods are unsafe, according to the agency, but fake lab-grown meat is open wide. The United States is now closer than ever to seeing fake chicken and other fake meat products hit not only store shelves, but also restaurant menus. Chances are that in the near future, any meat ordered at a standard American restaurant will contain synthesized ingredients that look, smell, and taste like the real thing. And you probably will not even know about it since the FDA is notorious for not requiring proper laboring for such things. It takes two weeks to grow the equal to grow the equal to the one chicken, a thousand chickens or a hundred thousand chickens. Velate told the media about how long it takes for his company's lab-grown chicken meat to form in a bioreactor. The powers that be are turning everything into abomination, including the food that you feed your family. Yeah, man. Yep. Some people were gonna. <laughs> some people are gonna have to uh, learn to live on a farm. You're gonna have to move back to your native country where you could get food that is at least healthy to eat. Okay. All right. On to the next story right here. Okay. Right. Told you about Klaus Schwab, right? Let's get into this story right here. Italy bans bugs from being used in pasta and pizza. Sorry, Claus. <laughs> hey, I mean, and you have your um, famous stars like Robert Downey Jr., Nicole Kidman. All right. Um, what's that other guy's name? I forgot. He's a he's a late night uh, talk show host. I forgot his name. He wears the glasses. He hates Trump. He's for that as well. And I think Salma Hayek is also for that. The Italian government is taking action against the globalist push to transform the human human food supply away from meat and into bugs and insects. In an announcement this week, Italy's leaders indicate that crickets, mealworms, and the rest of Klaus Schwab's menu of the world will not be allowed as an ingredient in any bread or pizza products manufactured and or sold in the country, period. Other foods products made and put out on the market in Italy can contain bugs just so long as they are clearly and noticeably labeled as, as such. The Italian government is also requiring that all bug-containing foods other than pizza and bread bear a warning label about the dangers of consuming Schwab's menu. What the decrees provide for is a label with the origin of the product, the risk associated with consumption, and the quantity of insect meal present. But we have also provided special shells where they can be displayed inside the shops, said Francisco Labrida, Italy's Minister of Agriculture, about the move. Those who want to choose crickets, larvae, and locusts can go there. And those who want who don't want to, as I imagine, includes most Italians can can keep away. <laughs> this is crazy, man. This is really great news and the kind that we 
hope spreads to, to other countries, including the United States. So perhaps similar rulings can be issued in there and here as well. The truth is that consuming bugs is not normal for humans. With the exception of locusts in the Bible, there has never been a time that humans have relied on bugs for substance. The World Economic Forum, WF, pushed to have people eat bugs now. It's a slap in the face from the globalists who feel as though they are superior and deserve to eat real meat while their subjects should be forced to eat like cattle and critters. For some reason, we are being told that eating bugs will somehow make the wealthy better. I'm sorry, will eat make the weather better. And that's a lie because you need bugs to help out the ecosystem. Bugs eat the parasites that eat crops. All right. Certain bugs do that. And when you start eating the bugs that help out the ecosystem, now you're in trouble. Okay. Now you're going to be in some trouble. Just think about it for a moment. Eat the bugs in order to make the weather better. How insane does that sound when you actually realize what they're pushing? So those international tribunals we sometimes hear about ever come to fruition and the globalists perpetrating all this be held account for their crimes against humanity, perhaps their jail food should be comprised of bugs instead. Bugs should be used for food in the soon-to-be-created globalist penal institutions, one commentator wrote towards the end. They can eat bugs and be unhappy. <laughs> Another wrote that he has tried crickets just to see what they taste like, only to find out they are gross. They're also full of parasites and other allergic to, and other allergic to the chitin, this person added. Chitin is a long-chain polymer of N-acetylglucosamine, an amine derivative of glucose. Not to mention the human body can't digest bugs and the digestive system gets destroyed from consuming that garbage, added someone else, which is the whole motivation behind you will eat the bugs, the depopulation. Everything the demonic psychopaths calling themselves elites do is for the destruction of human life and any life forms found in nature, right down to plants. They polluted, destroyed, and genetically modified everything created um, by God. And the death's jab... Oh, mm -mm. Okay. So we're done with that. We are done with that right there. All right. Let's see what's some. Okay. All right. We're going to be done with that right there. Okay. So we're going to go on to the next story. Okay. Okay. So now we're going to talk about Mr. Thomas Kennedy. What a brave soul he is. Brave, brave man. All right. Stop right here. All right. Uh, hold on, hold on. Let's get right here. The Lord rebuke you, Satan, and all of your demons and all of your imps will come and par par parade before us 
That's right, I called you demons and imps who come and parade before us and pretend that you are part of this world. So I'm, I'm saying my righteous indignation is stirred. I am sick and tired of this. We, I'm not going to put up with it. You can test me and try to take me on, but I promise you I'll win every time. The Lord rebuke you, Satan, and all of your demons and all of your imps who come and par par parade before. And, you know. Hold on one second. I'll get the next one now. And, you know, some people don't like that, but that's. A and, you know, some people don't like that, but that's a fact. We have people that live among us today on planet Earth that, and, you know, some people don't like that, but that's a fact. We have people that live among us today on planet Earth that are happy to display themselves as if they were mutants from another planet. This is the planet Earth where God created men, male, and women, female. I'm a proud Christian conservative Republican. I'm not on the fence. Not on the fence. Florida Republican State Representative Barnaby just called out the Transformers, Demons and Imps and Mutants from another planet while hearing anti-trans bill on a committee. This sort of insane, <laughs> he calls him bigoted. <laughs> oh, man. Look, these people are out of control, man. They're out of control. And they're doing things to children. They are harming people. They just beat up um, Riley Gaines because she stood for women's spaces in the Olympics in sports and female sports. I thought these people were going to be, you know, nonviolent, but they're not. They only care about themselves. They don't care about reason. And they will hurt you if you dare turn on them. That's how they are. Florida representative calls transformers, demons, imps, mutants from another planet. And he's not backing down. Okay. There's a Florida Republican state representative named Barnaby Jones, who you like him to be hearing a lot about coming these days in the coming days. The reason why is his name will be floating around is because he said out loud what many people have been quietly thinking about mentally ill and perverted transvestite community. During a state committee meeting regarding a bill that would restrict bathroom uses based on gender, Mr. Jones went on a righteous rant calling out the confused and mentally sick trans community in a manner that left many people reaching for their smelling salts. <laughs> Mr. Jones referred to trans people as demons, imps, and mutants from another planet. Oh boy. And the kicker is that Mr. Jones does not regret speaking those words out loud. A Florida lawmaker is facing criticism after making controversial comments about the transgender community during a Florida State House Committee. The Lord rebuke you, Satan, and all of your demons. <laughs> and all your imps who came, who come and paraded before us. That's right. I called you demons and imps. <laughs> the, re the Republican Representative Webster Barnaby said the comments were made 
Monday during the co a committee meeting that debated a bill that would restrict restrooms according to their reproductive function. It's like we have mutants living among us. He continued, this bill is about public safety and people and people that when you watch the X-Men movies. Later, Mr. Jones did apologize for one part of his rant. He said he was sorry for calling trans people demons. I ain't sorry. Barnaby uploaded on those who testified against the bill, activists and advocates in the transgender community who fear further harassment if the bill becomes law. What harassment? Meaning that people are gonna check you when you go into spaces that you don't belong in? How dare he feel the need to use that kind of language, said Jasmine McKenzie. McKenzie calls herself the voice of the South for her work with black transgender community in Miami and said the community has a bullseye on it. The only reason why it has a bullseye on it because you like to go around pretending that you're cis born women and then when the men find out, you know, you're gonna pay the consequences for that. You're not willing to go and tell the person that you're interacting with, you know, that, you know, I'm, I'm not a cisgendered woman. You're not willing to do that. And some of them feel that they don't have to. Okay, since the, you know, um, hence the backlash of what they get. I don't feel sorry for them. Okay. Why are we the target? Why are we the topic of conversation? Why are they trying to erase us, said McKenzie. Webster later did apologize in reference to my comments in Bill 1521. I referred to the trans people as demons, he said. I would like to apologize to the trans community to refer to, oh, man. Eh, you bent the knee. He's a chump. This dude's a chump. Clearly, Mr. Jones is a man of faith who sees the transvestite lifestyle as an abomination. The bill that is being debated in Florida, Bill 1521, and will require exclusive reuse of restrooms and facilities based by gender. The bill would prohibit anybody that from willfully entering the, rest, entering the restroom or changing facility that is designated for the opposite sex, and violence would face a misdemeanor charge. No, they need to face a felony, because some of those alphabet people are sex offenders, convicted sex offenders, okay? The bill is on its way to the Florida House. Time will tell if Mr. Jones can withstand the backlash from the left and right and continue to stand his ground. Oh, man. Man, I'd be standing there be like, yeah, I'm standing my ground. That's it. I'm standing my ground. I don't care. All right. So let's get into what's going on with these banks. The banks, the banks, the banks. It's not looking good, man. It really isn't looking good at all. Okay. Let's cover this one right here. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Wrong one. Wrong one. Uh, here we go. 
Action is exclusive for you now. PNC Bank is now looking into some blue dyed money. Introducing the Pen Fed Platinum Reward. that was spit out by a metro area ATM. The bank confirmed the investigation with us after our customers told us that they were denied refunds. Uh, no one's gonna take that money. See all the dye all over it. New at six, investigative reporter Ashley Lincoln talked to a woman in McDonough. That blue dye is usually, you know, put on, you know, put on the money when bank robbers take steal money. So when they have blue dye exposed on it, they can't use the money. So these people are like, look what's happening now. Those people can't use their own money now. Who received those dyed bills? Well, this customer says after inserting a card into this ATM machine, she received dyed money. Now she says she's stuck with money she can't use. What am I to do? $360? We need to know what to do. It's damaged and dyed money. Tawana Brown and other PNC ATM users say they received from this McDonough ATM. I got the money out and just put it in my purse. Brown says later that day when reaching for the money to pay for food, she noticed $360 from an $800 withdrawal covered in blue dye. I can't use it. It's not, mm -mm, no one will take it. Brown says she was told by a manager at this Stockbridge PNC Bank branch that while this has happened to other customers, they couldn't take the money back. He basically told me, I mean, me feel like kick rocks. It's not our, you know, responsibility. I was livid. I was. I was really mad. Brown says the money was meant for her brother's mortgage payment, a payment she says they're now behind on. It's really frustrating. I reached out to PNC, and a spokesperson said they're collaborating with their vendor to investigate reports of damaged bills within certain PNC ATMs and are working to support any impacted individuals. The Georgia Bankers Association says while it's unusual for an ATM to dispense unfit money, it isn't impossible. They suggest affected customers keep all transaction receipts. The GBA also says if this happens at a bank where you don't hold an account, you'll be subject to that bank's policy for non-customers. Because I needed to know who responsibility was it. Because he simply said that it wasn't their responsibility to give me my money back. And I reached out to McDonough police to see if they responded to this ATM. We're waiting to hear back. In McDonough, Ashley Lincoln, Channel 2 Action. Here's another situation. held hostage. Some say they haven't had access to their direct deposits for two weeks. They can't make withdrawals and their automatic car payments are not going through. Channel 2's Taisha Fernandez is live in Southeast Atlanta. Ty, you've been working all day to find out what's behind this. And Linda, this is the main branch for the Atlanta Postal Credit Union right behind me. They basically share a building with the post office. Today, I went inside to get answers for those members who say they have not been able to access their money for weeks. 
They need to tell us really what's going on yeah. because it's our money that they're using. Carolyn Hawkins has an account here at the Atlanta Postal Credit Union. APCU has six locations in Metro Atlanta. On their website, they mention a system outage, and it says here, as of early morning, March 25th, members can now access online and mobile banking. But we spoke to several members Thursday who said things have not been restored online or inside the credit union. I came here several times and they were saying that the system was down. So we were, I was not going to get a paper receipt, but the money would be in there. And they said it's been down for a while. They don't know what happened. To find out, I went inside this Decatur location. Then I went to the main branch in Southeast Atlanta. The managers I spoke with said they can't comment. There's also a credit union branch inside South DeKalb Mall. I spoke to a member there on the phone. She's been trying to get a cashier's check for two weeks. Well, I feel like my money is being held hostage. And um, I cannot complete transactions because of this. I spoke to some other members off camera who said they haven't gotten their direct deposits. Things they have on automatic payment aren't getting paid. And it's a mess. And they can't give me a day and a time when this would be cleared up. This is sad. This is really sad, but this is going to be. <clears throat> I'll let Tucker Carlson tell it. Let me let him tell it. Carlson site, there's much fallout. And welcome to Tucker Carlson site. There's much fallout this evening, and there will be for months, stemming from the arraignment of the Republican frontrunner in Manhattan yesterday. And we're going to cover that in some detail. But we want to start tonight with a trend that we have noticed that might be worth knowing about, and it has to do with the dollar. For nearly 80 years since the end of the Second World War, the U.S. dollar has effectively been the currency of the world for our entire lifetimes. There was virtually no place on the entire globe you could go that would turn down a 20. Andrew Jackson's face beside the famous seal of the U.S. Treasury was probably America's best-known export. From Dar es Salaam to Sri Lanka to the smallest gold mining outpost in the Amazon basin, every shopkeeper on earth recognized a $20 bill. The dollar was universal, and not just universal in commerce, though the majority of international transactions were conducted in dollars, but universally held as a long-term store of value globally. The world's central banks stockpiled U.S. dollars far more than any other currency. Now, most Americans may not have known that, or they did, but it doesn't matter what they knew. It was very good for everyone who lives here. Because there were so many U.S. dollars in circulation outside of the country, the cost of borrowing money inside the country remained artificially low. And that's one of the reasons that in this country, America, middle-class people could buy their own homes. The U.S. government, meanwhile, was able to run up astronomical debts without many obvious consequences. Now, from time to time, the Congress would debate something called the debt ceiling, but it was abstract. For most people, the entire topic didn't seem very relevant to their lives because for most of that time, it really wasn't. America printed the US dollar, we controlled the global reserve currency, and that meant that for us, money was cheap. We had privileges that nobody else in the world had. It's been very nice, but what would happen if it ended? 
You don't even really want to think about that because the consequences would be too ugly, really ugly. But we started to worry about it about a year ago, really the day the Russian military rolled over the Ukrainian border. Now, by itself, that was a destabilizing event. War always is destabilizing and always challenges the existing order. But it was the West's reaction to the Russian invasion that seemed ominous. Policymakers in the U.S. went insane. Joe Biden, helped by his Republican allies in the Senate, appeared to be determined not simply to topple the Russian government in some kind of regime change war, but to blow up the post-war economic order that had served the U.S. so generously for so long. So we thought at the time that the real threat to our future wasn't just the billions we were sending to Zelensky. That was reckless, but probably not going to end America. The real threat was the unprecedented economic sanctions that Joe Biden was allowed to, in fact, encouraged to impose. Those sanctions, you'll recall, were supposed to hurt Russia. But even in March of last year, it seemed obvious they were going to hurt the United States much more than they hurt Russia. Here's what we said 13 months ago. We should prepare to lose our position as holder of the world's reserve currency. That is happening in slow motion. It's unmistakable. Now, the Biden people seem to have no idea this is going on, or maybe they want it to happen. Joe Biden was up there at the State of the Union bragging about how he took 30 points off the Russian ruble in a single day. Hooray! Good for us! But once we stop celebrating our win, the destruction of the Russian economy, they deserve it. You got to wonder, is there a downside to this? Could it be a Pyrrhic victory? Let's see. These policies have driven Russia, China, India, Turkey, and other countries to accelerate their flight from the U.S. dollar. Now, to be clear, that's the majority of the global economy. This may be the most reckless and destructive thing any American president has ever done to the United States. So that was last year, and at the time, it was really just yelling into the wind. Those views were considered absurd, even treasonous. Biden and his Republican allies described sanctions against Russia as morally essential. So we seized oligarchs' yachts at anchor. We closed the Apple store in Moscow. We were all assured these were important victories, and anyone who asked questions about their long-term economic consequences was a Putin stooge. That was the consensus in Washington last spring, in case you've forgotten what it sounded like. The purpose of the sanctions has always been and continues to be deterrence. Let's also recognize the unique nature of the sanctions that we have outlined. These are some of the greatest sanctions, if not the, the, the strongest, that we've ever issued. The president believes that sanctions are intended to deter. As to the sanctions, um, the most important thing we can do is to use them as a deterrent, uh, as a means of dissuading Russia from engaging in further aggression. We are right now enforcing powerful economic sanctions. We're cutting off Russia's largest banks in the international financial system, preventing Russia's central bank from defending the Russian ruble making Putin's $630 billion war fund worthless. These people are such buffoons. And all the Republican senators nodding in agreement. You watch that and you wonder if they really believe what they were telling you. If they really did believe that they're stupider than they look. These sanctions were never going to work in the way they promised because unlike the United States, Russia does not have a late stage finance economy. Russian oligarchs do not get rich from credit default swaps. They get rich from selling actual things that people need in order to live. Oil, natural gas, iron, fertilizer, coal, wheat. By some measures, Russia has the largest resource economy in the world. Oh, okay. 
so they could barter if they needed to. So a year later, despite the sanctions you were told are the greatest ever devised, the Russian ruble is just as strong against the U.S. dollar as it was before the war in Ukraine. So we didn't really hurt Russia with those sanctions, certainly not long term. Who'd we hurt ourselves? E.J. Antoni and Peter St. Ange wrote an incisive piece in The Daily Caller last week that explains part of why this happened. Quote, a critical feature of a reserve currency is its apolitical nature, which Biden is now gutting. After both parties in Washington destroyed the dollar's stability with inflation, now the Biden administration has chosen to wield the dollar as a weapon. Together, these two factors send a message to foreigners, which is they should get out while they still can. In response to Russia's war with Ukraine, the U.S. froze the dollar reserves of Russia's central bank. To be clear, these were not American assets. These were dollars owned by the Russian central bank and the Russian people. The seizure was intended to cause bank runs and collapse Russia's credit system. It didn't work. Instead, it exposed the Biden administration's willingness to violate the trillions of dollars that foreigners rightfully own. The danger of this precedent is difficult to overstate, end quote. Now, all of us saw that happening, but you couldn't say anything because Russia, bad. We can't even watch their hockey teams. All right. But what do you think happened next as we were jumping up and down and talking about Winston Churchill? Well, smart, smart foreigners, and there are some, believe it or not, started to dump the U.S. dollar. Why? Because the U.S. dollar was no longer a reliable store of value. Suddenly, it was a political weapon that could be wielded at will against anyone who held it. So what if you had a border dispute with one of your neighbors that the State Department hadn't authorized? Or what if you accidentally criticized transgender theology and irritated the human rights campaign? Well, the U.S. government might denounce you as immoral and then confiscate all your money. Great content needs a great audience. Just did that with Russia. And as a result, dollars. That's what happened, man. That That is what happened. Okay. Biden picked a fight with somebody that had more reserves than him. Like I said before, they're sitting on so many resources, especially black gold. They have oil. Okay. And I've said it before. Japan was on that anti-Putin train until they realized they needed oil. So they got off that anti-Putin train and came back to the census and started buying oil. As is many uh, Western nations. I think also Poland is also doing the same thing. Okay. And that's what happened. But like I said, in real, in our authentic, ideal world, no president would make these stupid mistakes and still be president. He'd be kicked out. And in other countries, he probably would have faced the uh, the death penalty. But this is all by design. All by design. This began to look much less appealing to the rest of the world. And so de-dollarization began, and it has accelerated at remarkable speed, almost without comment in the American media, over the last year. So Russia announced it will conduct business in Asia, Africa, and Latin America in Chinese currency. 
Brazil, which has a brand new government supported by the Biden administration, announced it will do the same thing. Brazil, largest economy in the hemisphere after ours. Pakistan is doing the same thing. That's a longtime U.S. ally. India and Malaysia, two of the biggest economies in the world, announced they'll be settling their trade in their own currencies, not the dollar. Even France, which we liberated, is using Chinese currency in a new liquefied natural gas trade. China and Saudi Arabia are now major business partners. And, and again, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. This is happening around the world, and all of it is shutting out the U.S. dollar. And it's happening a lot faster than anybody could have predicted. And yet no one in Washington seems aware that it is happening. So if you wanted the rest of the world to trust your currency, the last thing you would do is use it as a weapon or print too much of it. Printing too much of your currency causes inflation, and that saps the value of the currency. No one wants to hold a currency that is worth less consistently every year. That's sixth grade economics, but Joe Biden can't be bothered with that. So he's printing more money. Here he is last week announcing another $10 billion check, not for you or East Palestine or anyone in our country who needs it, but for foreign governments. Working in close cooperation with the United States Congress, we plan to add another $690 million for new funding for the presidential initiative over the next two years. And over the course of three years, my administration intends to work with Congress to commit $9.5 billion across all our efforts to advance democracy around the world. We're all safer when that occurs. We've been asking for months for any Republican senator who supports this, whether it's Tom Tillis or John Cornyn of Texas, to come on the show and calmly explain why you support this. None of them have accepted our invitation. But at this point, you begin to... We got so much crap going on here. We have inflation. We have high crime coming up, getting worse. We have segregation coming back on the rise. There's so much. There is so much coming back that's going to tear this country apart. We're going to possibly, possibly end up going back into slavery in the times of Jim Crow. And Jim Crow is coming back in Mississippi. He wants to talk about this nonsense of making the whole world safe when the United States government has been nothing but causing pain, tyranny, and death. And what this stunt he, he pulled, it's amazing. wonder what does the United States have that will retain its value over time? We should do an inventory of our assets. So Biden, as you just saw, is continuing to send the contents of our treasury, our dollars, to corrupt oligarchs in Eastern Europe and around the world. And yet at the very same time, and you should pay attention to this, he's selling off America's most valuable hard asset. That's our strategic petroleum reserve. Because unlike the U.S. dollar, oil, which is in the reserve, has inherent value. Oil is the densest store of transportable energy known to man. So unlike fiat currencies like the dollar, oil will always have value. That's why Russia is not now impoverished, because they have a lot of oil. But we have less because the SPR has been drained. In the last fiscal year, the Biden administration sold off 218 million barrels of oil, including bewilderingly, criminally, to the government of China. How much oil is that? It's more oil sold from the SPR in one year than in all previous years combined. 
So what happens when we empty it? Well, there's not much left. Oh, what about our gold? Oh, 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 America's gold reserves have not been fully audited in generations. So they can say whatever they want, but the truth is we don't really know how much gold is in Fort Knox. So the SPR becomes even more vital, and now it's disappearing. And as it does, the power of the United States ebbs. At some point, what's going to be left? They'll be draining the Great Lakes and shipping the water to the Gobi Desert for cotton farming. They'll be selling the curtains. So how do you fix this? Well, ending the war in Ukraine immediately would help, which we could do because we're in charge of NATO, but we're not even trying. In fact, we're pushing even harder for a direct conflict with nuclear-armed Russia. And politicians in Washington remain mired in their weird boomer World War II fantasies where they're all Winston Churchill and Zelensky is the head of the French resistance. We could give a million examples, but we can't resist, once again, the leader of the Republicans in the Senate, Mitch McConnell, last month. I'm going to try to help explain to the American people that defeating the Russians in Ukraine... Let me play that back. the Weimar Republic, and that government collapsing that nobody seems to remember. What brought on the economic wheelbarrows when I buy a cup of plummet even I'm first? See, I'm sorry, I just but see Mitch that McConnell again. defeating the Russians in Ukraine is not the single most important event in the world from the perspective of the United States. It's not even number 15 on the Sorry about that. Here it is. Here it is. Hold on. I want to see that number. Damn it. Ah, uh, here we are. See? That number. Look at this. Look at this. Do you know what we could do with that number here in the United States? All that money could solve most of the United States' problems. Instead of spending it on a war that Ukrainians are not going to win. Waste of money, create jobs, help solve our homeless problem. Nonsense. People that defeating the Russians in Ukraine is the single most important event going on in the world right now. Defeating the Russians in Ukraine is not the single most important event in the world from the perspective of the United States. It's not even number 15 on the list. It's way below ending the importation of fentanyl into this country, and it's way, way below preserving the strength of the U.S. dollar. But if Mitch McConnell and Joe Biden and the rest of these reckless leaders have their way, an increasing number of countries will do what so many have already done, which is begin to reject the U.S. dollar. And what will happen then? Well, all those dollars will come home and the value of our currency will plummet even further. And that will lead to poverty across the United States. And that will lead to the typical political and cultural volatility that inevitably follows economic collapse. Disaster. And we've seen it before. Of course, you know, the famous pictures from Germany in the early 20s, banknotes and wheelbarrows. When I buy a cup of coffee, that'll be 30 pounds of currency. Kids playing with worthless stacks of Deutschmarks. That was called Weimar, the Weimar Republic. And that government collapsed because of hyperinflation. And then economic collapse led to communist revolutions across Germany and ultimately to, fill in the blank, the Nazi regime. That's well known. In fact, it's a cliche at this point. But here's the thing that nobody seems to remember. What brought on the economic collapse 
that set the world on fire. Does anyone remember that? Why did the German government blow up its own currency? Well, simple. The German government took on too much debt in order to pay for a pointless war. Yes, a pointless war did that. And if that sounds familiar, it's because exactly what we have done repeatedly for decades. We did it in Vietnam. We did it in Iraq. We did it in Afghanistan. And every time we got away with it, because uniquely, we held the world's reserve currency. But this time could be very, very different. A war against Russia will be the last war we can afford to fight. Subscribe. That's basically it. That is basically what, what this war is. Because you're fighting a war with somebody that has all the cards to outlast you. That's why I said this is like the New World Order. This has to be. This is a plan of the New World Order. Because you're not going to make this stupid mistake of just throwing all your resources down into a situation that there is no return value in it. There's no return for it. What's the end game? You're fighting somebody that is well prepared, has nukes, has resources, and the information is coming out about how the United States and Western nations are defending neo-Nazis, which is Ukraine. Ukraine is a neo-Nazi nation. And people are going to look at like, this is pointless. Why are you doing this? And they have nukes. Why are you doing this? You're going to put us all in jeopardy. America will be a third world nation after this is all done. I'm, I'm, I think that's what's going to happen. It's going to be a third world nation. And that's going to be a scary sight. Because people are going to be poor and people are going to get tribal and it's going to be very ugly. And if you think racism isn't going to be on steroids in that time, think again. And maybe that's what's going to, it's going to that's probably what it's going to take for blacks to wake up, especially black Americans in this country. Then neither side is on your damn side. I'm out. Anything you want to know about this channel is in the description box. Like, share, comment, and subscribe. Later.